This is Lynn M. Thomas. And Michael Damian Thomas of Uncanny Magazine. And you're listening to An, An Escape, Escape Artist Podcast. Podcast. Podcastle, episode 456, for February 21, 2017. Mateus Goes Higher, by Natalia Tetheritu. Rated PG-13. Hello and welcome to Podcastle where reality lays disheartened on the sofa, whilst fantasy conjures the end of the tyrant. I'm your host, Graham Dunlop. Today's story comes to you from Natalia Thetheritu. It's called Mateus Goes Higher, and it was first published in Neon Number no. 42 in February of 2016. Natalia Thetherithu is a media and cultural studies scholar currently based in Exeter in the UK. She's also the dramaturge of Adrift Performance Makers, at Adrift PM on Twitter. Her fiction has appeared in Clark's World, Shimmer, Apex and elsewhere. Her story Every Black Tree is forthcoming in Beneath Ceaseless Skies. Find her online at natalia-thetherithu.com and on Twitter at natalia underscore theator. Your narrator for this story is Thomas Busby. Thomas is an up-and-coming actor from South Wales, United Kingdom. He's just started his acting career but hopes to not only act but do voice work as well. You'll find him on the LARP Book podcast where he and his three friends discuss LARPing, and generally just have a good time. You'll also find him streaming games online at twitch.tv slash redundantuk and on Twitter at redundant underscore UK. Links will be in the show notes. But now, I hope you're not afraid of heights because that's where we're going. Higher. Regardless, enjoy the story. Mateus Goes Higher by Natalia Pfefferithru Mateus can no longer see the ground from the top of his tower. He calls it a tower somewhat pompously, as in reality it is but a crooked structure made of scavenged materials stacked higher and higher towards the sky. But what is he supposed to call it? A stack? Tower is good. It conveys its importance. Matthias balances on the platform of the latest level he has added and begins his descent to collect the materials he needs for the next. The brown cloud swirls around him and a sudden gust of wind blows dust into his face. Bits of sand make tiny scrapes on his goggles. He'll soon need to find a new pair. He puts one hand on his bandana and holds it tightly over his mouth. In the little while it takes for the wind to die down, 
the sound almost drowns out the whisper in his ears. Higher. Go higher. He contemplates the idea of towers on his way down. Towers can be so many different things. They can be fortresses and observatories, transmitters, monuments, clock holders, and structural parts of a bridge. They can even be tests, prisons, and platforms from where to dive or launch. Who knows what Matthias's tower will be when it's finished and its purpose is revealed to him. But it's bound to be great. And so... He has to go higher. The moment Matthias's feet touch the ground, his legs feel like rubber and his stomach turns. After days of living in the tower, with its soft, lulling oscillation in the wind, the sudden solidity of the ground nauseates him. He takes a few moments, leaning against the tower, until the earth stops behaving like the sea. Then he grabs his cart and heads out. He's cleared a large area that extends a couple of hours' worth of distance around the tower, except for a big stack of planks that he's left next to the base of the construction. For an emergency, he told himself, although he had no idea what an emergency might look like. So far, he hasn't run into anyone in his scavenging expeditions. But, with the dust cloud that surrounds everything now, visibility is very limited. He could be a few feet from an army and have no idea that anyone was there. An army. Ridiculous thought. There are no armies anymore. He's picked a direction that he's signposted with glowing yellow rods so that he doesn't lose his way in the dust. There's nothing else around. The ground is worn asphalt, covered in so much dust you could mistake it for a dirt road. His cart's wheel is whining. He might find some grease to put on it, if he's lucky. But first, he needs to find wood Nails, more metal rods. Bricks and stones are less and less useful the higher he goes. They make the whole structure unsteady. Precarious balance. He's no architect. Mom loved reminding him of that every time he set out to build something. Anything. But he can tell when a tall building starts tilting. The whole way the whisper keeps nagging at him. Persistent, unrelenting, higher, go higher. But I am on the ground, he wants to reply. I'm on the damn ground. Go higher, go higher. A small pile that starts being discernible. A few meters outside the radius he's already cleared turns out to be a gold mine of semi-rotten planks, broken window frames, and black refuse bags. Matthias tosses the refuse bags aside. They feel squishy and emit a faint putrid odor. He's not eager to look inside. 
he loads the planks and frames onto his cart slowly, carefully. He's cut himself before on a rusty nail. He'd really believe that he'd get tetanus and die that time. But the fever went as it had come, one day in the faint dusty light of the sun. On the way back, he takes a few minutes to sit down and eat some beef jerky he's brought with him. The ground feels oddly warm. His hands are dusty. Hell, his whole body is covered in a thin, ochre-colored film. But there's nothing to be done about that anymore. He smuggles small pieces of food under his bandana and into his mouth, exposing his inside to the dust as little as possible. He chews every bite for a long time. He pretends he's enjoying a meal in the park. Everything around him is quiet, all the sounds muffled by the soft dominion of dust. Except for the whisper, of course. Monotonous, predictable, invariably the same. Go higher. It's dusk when he arrives back at the tower. He unloads the contents of his cart into a large rectangular canvas. Then he ties the corners together diagonally around his shoulders and starts climbing the tower relieved to be leaving the unsettling undulation of the ground. His muscles tremble under the weight of his building materials. Climbing the tower this way takes everything he has, and more, every time. He times his movements to the beat of the whisper in his ears, and he goes higher, and higher, and higher, it feels as if hours pass before he reaches the top level. He unwraps himself from the canvas and collapses on the wooden platform, breathing heavily behind his bandana. He will go inside the little makeshift room he's put together out of a piece of tarpaulin and some metal rods to sleep, but not yet. He will go in a little while after he's gotten some rest here on the floor, swaying in the dusty breeze with his tower. He feels it balance underneath him, and he suddenly remembers that game they used to play when they were kids, he and his brothers, where you stacked wooden bricks on top of the other, and then you removed some and put them on top, going higher and higher until the tower collapsed. Who won? If every time the tower collapsed in the end, what was the winner left with? Matthias racks his brain. He sees his older brother beaming over the rooms and detritus on their bedroom floor and can't make any sense of it at all. He spends the next couple of days building the new level. The whisper is still there in his ears, urging him on. He pretends it sounds more satisfied today. He's doing good work. It's difficult to judge how high his tower has gotten now that he can no longer see the ground. But he's doing good work. He's sure of it. So 
he keeps going higher. The wind is getting stronger up here, and there's more light. He may be nearing the top edge of the dust cloud he's in. A little higher, and he might even see some sun. He's on his way to the ground again, with renewed enthusiasm about the prospect of seeing something other than brown all around him if he manages to escape the cloud. He touches his feet to the ground and braces for the familiar nausea to hit him like a giant wave and then subside enough for him to be able to walk. When it does, he looks around, trying to decide which direction to go in today. Something feels wrong, though. The landscape seems different somehow. All the poles he's planted around the tower are there, marking relative directions in yellow, green, red, and blue. Then he sees it, and it hits him like a punch to the gut. His emergency stack is gone. His forehead breaks into cold sweat that turns the film of dust that covers him into a thick paste. The whisper drills into his ears, pressing him to higher, go higher. He runs towards the blue poles, the ones closest to his former stack, but he can't see well enough. He's being careless, and he stumbles and scrapes his knee on the deceptively soft ground. He pushes himself to calm down, to check the area more methodically, more meticulously, the way he's done before, the way he's accomplished everything he has so far. That's got in him this high already, nearly out of the cloud. He finds nothing, no being, no traces, nothing of use. He decides to put it out of his mind as best he can, to focus on the whisper and its instructions, as wise and pressing as ever. He goes back to the tower to pick up his cart and ventures out towards the red poles. The dust is as thick as ever, and the wind is rapidly changing directions, making the sand creep into every dimple of his body, every nook and cranny of his self. He pushes through and piles his cart as high as he can, not as picky about his materials as usual. He collects the tires he usually ignores and hoards every piece of wood he finds, even the rotten, disintegrating ones that he usually passes by in favor of the more sturdy ones. When the cart becomes almost too heavy to lift, he makes his way back to the tower, dripping muddy sweat. The next few levels come into being faster than ever out of an exercise of pure will and determination. He never thought his hands could work so quickly, never felt so grateful for the nagging whisper in his ear before, Go higher, higher, go higher. No longer the crack of a whip, but a cheer. He almost misses the moment the tower breaks the upper end of the dust cloud and emerges into the blue, blue sky. Matthias feels something burn in the top of his head, and he's alarmed. 
about to douse himself with water when he lifts his head from his work to look around. And he suddenly realizes that's the sun on his head. That's clear, dustless air on his skin. He takes off his goggles and his bandana and gulps the air down until his lungs burn and his head feels so light it could double as a helium balloon. His eyes take a while to adjust to this new brightness and to do so much color, so much blue. His ears buzz from the rush of oxygen and the whisper is but background static. And then his vision clears and he sees another tower a little further, maybe a hundred meters away, poking out of the dust cloud a couple of levels higher than his own. The shock makes Matthias fall back onto his platform and retreat as far as he can. Then something urgent rises in him and he finds himself back on his feet, waving madly and wanting to speak, to shout, except he's not sure he knows how anymore. He's rummaging through his stash for something to write with, something to write on to send a message to this other creature he'd never imagined he would see again, that he was sure he had lost forever, when something hot whizzes past him, barely missing his right ear. He turns round. The flare that had no doubt been aimed at his head has landed on the platform. The tires have caught fire. Matthias quickly pushes them off as far from the tower as he can. The whisper returns to his ears, accusing, oppressive. He stands at the edge of his platform to look at the person who shot him up here, above the cloud. He simply stands there at the edge of his own platform, looking back at Matthias. Then he lowers his head and sits down slowly, his back turned and sullen. Matthias ceases his building for a while, spends the next few days and nights watching the other person get up, build, eat, drink, climb down his tower and come back up with coveted pieces of wood and metal sheeting. It takes a lot of energy for Matthias to ignore the whisper for so long, but this is important. He can't let the other person out of his sight he is in danger. The tower is in danger. One night, the person doesn't return to the top of his tower. Matthias assumes he must have decided to spend the night on the ground, maximize the efficiency of his trips. Now that the towers are so tall, climbing down and then back up again is no minor feat. But he doesn't come back the next day, nor the next night, nor the day after that. Matthias is sure he must have perished. Reluctantly, he resumes his building. He goes higher, and higher, and higher. Days pass, but the other one doesn't return. Matthias decides to go look for him, or, if he's gone, for his tower, perhaps dismantle it 
and use the materials for his own. He follows the blue poles in the direction of the other tower. He spends hours walking, certain now that he has covered more than the hundred meters he believes separated the two towers. But he finds nothing. There's no person. There's no tower. Exhausted, he returns to the top of his tower, above the cloud. The other tower is there, almost identical to his own, only empty. The whisper in his ears remains unfazed. Higher, it says. Go higher. He decides to take the night off and continue building the next day. And so he does, and the next day, and the next day after that. The newfound sun has baked Matthias's skin pink, and he's flaking. But he continues to work as fast as he can, stealing furtive glances at the other tower every now and then. It is noon when he hears the grunts. The other person is back. He's sprawled on his platform, lower than Matthias's now, panting and holding his ribs. He must have broken them somehow. Matthias thought something like this would give him satisfaction, but it doesn't. He turns his back to the other person and continues his building to the familiar tune of the whisper in his ears. Night comes and the other person is still laid out on his platform. He must be unable to move, but he's still breathing heavily, coughing occasionally. Pierced lung, maybe. Matthias is sitting at the edge of his tower, eating beans out of a can, and watching the other person's chest rise and fall, rise and fall. He thinks of his brother again, his wide, victorious smile over the ruins of their tower. He stands up. He pretends the whisper says, talk to him. But it doesn't. It only says, higher, go. And welcome back. Natalia said this about the story. I realised after writing the story that the name I picked for the main character sounds very much like the Greek word for futile. Make of that what you will. I really like Natalia's stories. The ones I've read are usually a little bit dark, a little bit strange, and sometimes leave me wondering what just happened... You may remember another of Natalia's, Podcastle 381, The Vandalists. Now, that was an odd story, but in a good way. I like that what-just-happened feeling, and it's a very tough balance to pull off. Let's face it, some stories just plain make no sense. Some are way too complicated to get a story going. It's very difficult to tread the line between coherence and strangeness, 
and Natalia does it beautifully here. The world painted as bleak and unforgiving. Plenty of things happen. But in the end, what is there but the imperative to go higher? Why go higher? Because the voice says so. Why does the voice say so? We don't know. We can't know. All we know is that Matthias has to go higher. And that's enough for me. Thank you, Natalia. Turning out of feedback this week, it's from co-editor Jen. Hello, everyone. This is Podcastle co-editor Jen Albert with feedback from episode 445, In Mishkotal's Net, by Charlie Allison. Some mixed reviews on this one. While many people enjoyed the story's horror aspects, some others seemed slightly off-put. Scuba Man said, This was a dandy piece of dark fiction. Plenty of Clive Barker body horror. Nasty and nice. And Blinking said, Weird and fun. I liked the details about the weird stomach-mouth monster. Creepy. Devoted 135 was a bit more put. Body horror is right. Shivers. Drawing from different cultures' mythologies is cool. I just wish it didn't have to be so... <clears throat> visceral. Thank you to everyone who commented on this story. If you have anything to say about any of our episodes, please stop on by the forums at forums.escapeartist.net and share your thoughts with us. Until next time. Thanks, Jen. And that's all we have for today. On behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, forum moderators Talia and Ossicat, audio producer Peter Wood, associate editors Arun Dewa, Aidan Doyle, Crystal Claxton, Matt Dovey, Raj K. Gopal and Eleanor Wood, assistant editor Setsu Uzume, co-editors Jenar Albert and Khalida Muhammad Ali, thank you for stopping by and listening to this story with us. We'll be back next week with another. Until then, this is your host, Graham Dunlop, reminding you that towers can be so many different things. They can be fortresses and observatories, transmitters, monuments, clock holders, and structural parts of a bridge. They can even be tests. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated. It's released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Share it all you like, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva and Exile and used by permission of them. To find out more, check their website at shiva-in-exile.de. We rely on you to keep our podcast all flying. You can make a donation a one-off donation of any amount, or you can make regular donations for as little as $2 a month. You can set up donations at the Podcastle website, go to podcastle.org, and find the Support Us section down the right-hand side. Lois Lowry said, Think only on the climb. Think on what you control. <laughs>